we ended last episode talking about your first book. Let's talk about your second book. What's the title of that book again? The title of this book is Building Your Brand, Make Business Happen in a Global Economy. And I also want to point out that there's a subtitle on there that is interesting. How Ecosystem Thinking Can Create Relevant Customer-Connected Brands. That's where I want to start because ecosystem thinking is a new concept that I'm not familiar with. But since I'm talking to the author of the book about it, I want to know what, what the heck is ecosystem thinking? So I think, DP, you get people who write books about marketing and and branding topics. And I've always had a foot in the marketing and branding space for 20 years. I did a whole lot with experiential marketing, face-to-face events, live events, you know, helping clients and customers really make sure that people connected with their brands on a physical level, whether it was product launches or I did like the Ford 100th anniversary on their Ford Proving Grounds. So a lot of things about making brands tangible, but I've also been an executive and I've been a head of businesses. And for the last 15 years, it's sitting in the C-suite for nonprofits. So I have the unique position of looking at the total business package. And for the last three years, I've been interviewing company founders and CEOs and business thought leaders through my podcast, Disruptive CEO Nation. And People who are building relevant brands today, they think about branding at all of the touch points within their business. And I always say, you know, the front of the house and the back of the house have to match in your in your business. And as a business leader, as a CEO, or you know, you have to hold the vision with the capital V. So it's it is more. And we see these brands coming out today, you know, like I think of like Glossier that comes out, and you believe that everything that they touch through their business, you know, screams an aligned brand. And so that's why, you know, my book, yes, it's about building your brand, but ecosystem thinking gives you a way to go through and do checkpoints of your business, whether you're starting a business or have one already and feel like you need to refresh things, but it's just a narrative to make you think about it. And then DP, I also am a big proponent of thinking about your business without borders. And so I have had a lot of international business experience. The people I interview for my podcast come from all over the world. And I really think that that's where all business leaders today need to be focused is how do you think about your business with borderless opportunities? I love that idea about when you say borders, you're talking geographic borders, but there are also kind of edge of the box borders too. It's mm-hmm. it's get out of that. But I love the idea. And this had never occurred to me, the geographic borders. Think like you're a global entity, even if you're local, regional, or just plain national US of A, because it forces you to go back to our metaphor from last week to focus on the cake, not the frosting on a lot of things, because we all share the cake. We're made of the same cake. The frosting, the cultural differences can sometimes blind us. I'm reminded of the old Sting song from back in the day of the Cold War, where there was a line in one of the songs, I hope the Russians love their children too. Yeah. Of course the Russians love their children. Of course. There, there's no doubt about it. But at the time, we othered them. They were the others. There are no others. That's the point. 
and I'm, I'm going to try to apply that to your concept of thinking beyond borders. There are no others when you're a marketer or a personal brand that takes a global view of things rather than a parochial, cultural, narrow view of things. And am I getting that right or am I just making stuff up? No, absolutely. And, and this is why I love the people that I talk to and, and why my focus is to bring global thinking to, you know, American business and why I'm, I'm talking to people all over the place is, is because I'll interview people that are like, yeah, we're a team of eight and we are in eight different countries or, you know, how you can think about pivoting. And, and one of my favorite stories in the book is actually the last featured interview in, in the book, because the book is a, a combination of solid, quick hit business advice, things to think about interspersed with interviews. One of my favorite interviews, if I talk about rethinking your business, is Pedro Pico, who is also known as Teresa Aldante. He is a drag queen. Pedro is also a foodie. And they have a restaurant called Drag Taste in Portugal, in Lisbon, Portugal. Huge restaurant. What I love about it is the center of the restaurant is a chandelier of 250 red high heels. And it was an experience. People would go. They would get dressed. Half the group would cook. Well, half got dressed up as drag queens. And it didn't matter who you were, how old you were, everybody got dressed up like drag queens and then they'd switch. The other half would cook and the other half would get dressed up. And then they'd have this giant dinner party in this giant restaurant theater. Loads of fun, great concept. He was on the verge of contracting, opening a strategy for 50 locations in the US. Well, COVID hit and they had to figure out how to do. And they grabbed it very quickly. They moved their experience to Airbnb experiences. And they did Sangria Secrets with Drag Queens, and they opened up to everybody in the world. And now they run different versions. They were running it 24 hours a day. People would, you know, would dial in all over to get this experience, then they could do it in different languages. But it was just an example of how your best customers might not be in your border. And they like doubled their income in a year of COVID when anybody else was closed down. I also have an interview that I, I just did recently with a new fintech app called Navit. And it's lovely branding. It's, it's a financial app, but they deem themselves to be a lifestyle brand. And it's nav.it. They were get, getting ready to launch. They were ready for their big launch the week in March that everything in the US shut down. And then they made a decision to delay, to stay in pre-revenue mode longer and get it out and get it into everybody's hands. So I think it's just when you think about, you know, marketing and branding and strategies today, it's all so interconnected. And that's why I say DP, we have to think about ecosystem thinking because opportunities are in different places. Yeah. I love that story about Pedro and the drag restaurant, because without going into too much detail, my daughters are fascinated by RuPaul's Drag Race. And <laughs> every time I, I go up from my office and watch them while they're at home, that's what's on TV. It's cross-cultural, it's outrageous and interesting, and it's a, as narrow a niche that is incredibly broad. It's an incredibly broad, narrow niche, if you know what I mean. And it appeals across cultures. And that's a really excellent example of your kind of uh, borderless or thinking beyond borders, if you will, and a, a wonderful example of that. But the thing that's most interesting is how they were able to pivot so quickly given a global pandemic. I mean, my head is kind of 
buzzing with, okay, you're planning to open a restaurant, which requires hundreds of people to come to the same place at the same time, sharing the same atmosphere of air and while eating, which is casting off potentially virally loaded, every whatever. Mm-hmm. And you find a way to pivot successfully. That means that you've got a pretty clear idea that your brand is not predicated on having a restaurant where physically people are getting together. And the, the piece about their brand, and this is what I love about branding DP, and I'm sure you feel the same, right? Is for an external person, they'll say, oh, their brand is this. Actually, at Drag Taste, it is about the way the individual feels. You know, you think, oh, their brand is about flair and flash and entertainment. But actually, their brand is about the quality of the cooking class and the food and how the individual feels about their experience. And then the shell around it is the flash and and the flair. And so I think it's, you know, that the fact that it's a very personalized they, they send you the note, hey, you're coming to our experience. Here's your shopping list. Hey, did you get your shopping list? And it's unique because I thought it was just going to be all, you know, giggles and laughs. And it was a serious online cooking class with the entertainment and the pieces there. So it's, it is very interesting to think about that. But my book has a lot of examples of people. One of my other brands that I, I really love is, is Saddleback Leather. Oh, and I love those guys. You can't think about Saddleback Leather without understanding the the entirety of his brand because his passion, he was a pastor and he was in another country and he learned the craft of the leather. And so they have a factory in another country that, that supports the workers there. It's a very much of a passion project. He wants his brand to be such high quality that their tagline is, they'll fight over it when you're dead. And he had so many people tell him that is the worst brand tagline because it's such a negativity, like it's so negative, but it works because it it emphasizes the quality, but also there's a lightheartedness to it. They know the level of quality. So they make these YouTube videos that it's like the Saddleback bag versus the crocodile. They, in every bag they, they ship out, they put their business cards And then they have clients call them and say, send me more business cards. Now, what brand that you know of has their customers contacting them saying, send me more of your business cards? Because when I'm out with my Saddleback bag, people want to know where I got it. So they now ship the bags with business cards. And talk about like simple stealth marketing in a way But it's like you feel like you're in an insider circle if you know about Saddleback Leather and you're brought into the fold. And DP, you said you know that brand. Okay. (laughs) I got to tell you this story because I got turned on to SaddlebackLeather.com back when I was living in Colorado, which makes it at least, I don't know, 15, 19, 20 years ago. But I was literally looking for a very specific style of leather bag that had to be quality And in the back of my mind, I'm going, I want my daughters to fight over this when I'm dead. I want them to have a physical reminder of dad's bag that he (laughs) took with him to work every single day. And this is where I spilled coffee on it as a little kid. And he didn't yell at me. And he said it was okay, even though I was crying when I did it. All that stuff. I wanted that. So I, I, I'm looking for a specific style of leather bag. Their website comes up 
I see they'll fight over it when you're dead and went, oh my God, you know me. I know exactly what I am. The other thing I want to say about that, you mentioned the fact that that tagline was hated by a lot of people because it's negative. You don't know this about me, but I've been a writer in advertising for 30 years. Drama exists in the negative spaces, not in the positive spaces. I mean, yeah, you positive, yes. Disney can be the happiest place on earth and all that stuff. Yeah, that's great. But do not forget the other side of that coin is as powerful. And to go, they'll fight over it when you're dead is memorable as you don't have to hear it more than once. And you got right. it. You know it forever. It's, it's embedded in your brain. You're a member of that tribe. So when pe- you say that people are asking for business cards, it's because everyone's saying, I love your bag. Where'd you get it? Oh, well, I happen to have a business card. Here you go. And you've turned everybody who has that bag into a virtual sales force for you. I mean, I I can't believe you brought up Saddleback Leather as an (laughs) example, because I still haven't gotten one of their bags, though. Why is that? Oh, you you need to because you're paying for a bag that will last forever. Exactly. (laughs) And and the whole thing is, if you're a bottom feeder who doesn't want to pay that much, you'll never buy this brand. You won't, you won't even find it. Well, you know what, DP, you're going to have to track down Dave Munson and get him to be a guest on, on your podcast like I did. So, Oh my gosh, I'm going to use your name as an example because he's an example of a brand, a true brand, which is, and again, we're going to describe it slightly differently. But for me, a brand is everything from the way you answer your phones to your CEO's public behavior, everything. Yeah. And they're an adventure brand. And if you go to their website, you know, they fulfill that promise. And you've got pictures of Dave and his family in, you know, I think in Africa or in, in places. And, and so I think it, it does permeate everything. This episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast is brought to you by my new book, Nonfiction Brand. Discover, craft, and communicate the completely true, completely you brand you already are. Now available on Amazon.com. Jay Bear, best-selling author of Talk Triggers, said, The book is outstanding. Highly recommended. A spectacularly useful guide to personal branding that pulls off the difficult trick of being both realistic and inspirational. A must-read, regardless of where you are in your own brand-building journey. To get your copy, head on over to Amazon.com and search Nonfiction Brand. And let's get you all the credit you deserve for the completely true, completely you brand you already are. Another brand that I really love that is one of the first I talk about in the book is EcoFleet, which is a newer brand in the UK. And uh, Farah Semi is the CEO and founder. She had never founded a company before in her life. She was like an architecture designer, but she saw a problem. She suffers from asthma. And if anybody's been to London, you know what the pollution level is, is like there. And she decided to solve a problem and that... She is called the Mindful Delivery System. And she went to the trouble of designing these bikes that have these containers on the front. And and I know it sounds like a very, oh, of course, that's an easy peasy thing. But she has these bikes. And the way she describes it, though, is, and I can't remember how many bottles, but it's like, oh, and the cargo basket holds 105 bottles of wine. And, you know, so rather than saying it's this size by this size, she's like, it, it, you know, she gives you a quick visual. But the branding on it is beautiful. And with her design background, when she went to market, she designed these bikes so that they were very visual. You can't miss them. She does them as a white label too, because then companies come to her and and say, no, I want, 
you know, my brand rolling through the streets of London labeled and mindful delivery. She has a warehouse where she stores products for local merchants. And then when there's online orders or whatever, her bikes go out and deliver them. But it wasn't it's this is why I said the ecosystem. She paid just as much attention to the back of the house. So, you know, go look up their website. Their website is beautiful. It's EcoFleet and her warehouse is painted and it looks like the same brand that you see on the website. And the outside world doesn't go into the warehouse, but the bike riders do. So imagine this. She's got these riders that ride in London weather all year long. And she consistently has more applicants than she has jobs because in that culture, in the type of people that would want to apply for the job, she has put just as much detail in what the workers feel and experience that they can be feel like a joyful part of the brand. And I mean, I think that's such a huge, remarkable accomplishment. You know, so she's another story that I, I really loved getting to know and, and how she wanted to do something that was sustainable, but she didn't leave any part of her brand untouched. She, she thought about the entire ecosystem as she went to market and launch. Well, and you can see that. Just look at their latest blog post about traffic in London. It's not about how to deliver a little bit more efficiently, or it's not a sales message, but it is a sales message because the implication is we're doing our bit to dial down traffic in London. The mm -hmm. previous blog post was about air pollution in London. Again, it's not a sales message, but it is a sales message. It's a branding message. And you can tell just by the blog post that I've just cited that they truly are soup to nuts when it comes to what their brand is and why the why of it, you know, the Simon mm -hmm. Sinek why of it is very clear. So that's an excellent example. And it's just one of the stories in your new book. Where can people get that new book? So Building Your Brand, Make Business Happen in a Global Economy is available on Amazon. That's the easiest way to get it. And I don't know if the promotion is, is still, We our objective, DP, is to get it into people's hands. You know, you don't write books to make money. You write books because you believe in the content and you want people to get it. So for a while here, we've been letting the Kindle download be at no cost, but Still, it's we've made the book very affordable. You can get it off of Amazon and you can get it off of Amazon in most places in the world because I have a global audience. And I promise that there's something in there for everybody. And it, it starts off speaking as if you're going to found a business and, and build your business because I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs and company founders. But if you have a business that needs to be kickstarted because so much has changed in post-pandemic life, and we just need to all do a better job of meeting people in their path of new behaviors. And so there's opportunity for brands that can do that well. I love that. Meeting people in their path of new behaviors. I, I got to write that down. Actually, that's going to be the pull quote for the audiogram that I create for this episode because it has a lot of layers to it. But even in that simple phrase, you kind of get those layers. Now let's unpack them. That's really cool. So this is just another example of the way Allison K. Summer thinks. Her first book, Connect to Influence, How to Leverage Relationships for a Lifetime of Career Success. Is that available on Amazon as a download or as a dead tree version? It's a dead tree version, I believe. So, well, we're going to try to fix that because I'm, I'm ready to actually refresh that one. Yeah. And the new book is available as well on Amazon as a uh, hard copy or 
Kindle download. Mm -hmm. So definitely check that out. Let's talk very briefly about Disruptive CEO Nation, your podcast. I think I understand what the topic is. It's about CEOs who are disruptive or want to be disruptive. Am I getting that right? Yeah, you you are. And I like to have my podcast be global in nature. So whether people have come from other places and are now started their business in the U.S. because U.S. is a little bit easier to start businesses. But I like to talk to people from all over the world, all different kinds. I am technology heavy, but we also talk about brands and things that are doing different in in markets. And I've had the opportunity of speaking to the founder of MacPaw. MacPaw makes a product that is on one in every five Mac computers in the world. Including mine. <laughs> and he's in the Ukraine. And he has a lovely story. He, uh, he has 250 employees and he bootstrapped the whole thing. Nobody would have thought that one of the influential tech people in the world is sitting in Kiev, Ukraine. One of the things I love about your podcast is you literally live the breakdown borders philosophy that you espouse in your books because you get a lot of people from outside the U.S. on the podcast. And I appreciate that because believe me, sometimes I think we're in this bubble of conventional wisdom and it's nice to have it pierced by someone who has a totally different perspective. So I do. I try to bring people in from all over the world. And because it's Disruptive CEO Nation, we are heavily tech focused, but we also talk to people who are into sustainability and other things. Last week, I had a lovely interview with a CEO founder from Vietnam who is out to conquer the one-use plastics market, the single-use plastics. And she is starting with straws. And it's very interesting to talk to somebody about the straw category and how she went to brand with it. But the thing that she loves is that people look at her brand, which currently sells on Amazon, and she's got a lot of other products in the pipeline, they say it looks like a brand that has been present in the market for a while. And she's taken a different tactic where, you know, most things that are sustainability have these lovely earthy colors, these tans and whites and light greens. And she's, she's, she's a young CEO and she's like, no, I'm putting color and my products right in your face. They are bringing you joy because they are sustainable we are not doing the earthy tones. We're doing the, you know, we are here. So I, I really value that. Like you said, I, I try to find people from all over the world, but also because these products are touching our lives and the founders are not from the U.S. And I, I think particularly for American business owners and leaders, we need to be taking note of what's happening in other places as well. Amen, sister. Well, Boy, this conversation really shows you why I value Allison K. Summers, not only as a guest on the podcast, but as a person in my, I don't know, my universe of really thoughtful people who have got something to say and are willing to share it in a big way. Disruptive CEO Nation podcast. That's a huge gift from you to the world. Does it come out every week? It does come out every week. It comes out on Wednesdays and you can pretty much find it on any major podcast channel that is your favorite one that you listen to. What other ways could people connect with you, Allison K. Summers? I know you're active on LinkedIn, so that's probably a big one for you. But is there a website also? There is. So LinkedIn is, is a great way to just connect with me and, and for us to get to know each other. I have a website, a disruptiveceonation.com. 
And um, my website is alisonksummers.com. And my email is connect at alisonksummers.com. And it's K, just the letter K. And so DP, I'm always happy to meet new people and add them to my network. Well, there you go. And by the way, Allison has two L's in it, A-L-L-I-S-O-N. So make sure you use the two L's. That's it for this week on the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. I want to thank Allison again for being on the podcast. And I would love for you listeners to like, subscribe, refer, and review this podcast wherever you get it, because that helps other people find it. I'm DP Knuton for the Nonfiction Brand Podcast, and she is... Allison K. Summers. And I'll be talking at you again next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>